We are obviously in a very uh, strange and odd situation, maybe a little bit of an uncomfortable situation in some ways. Uh, we are under quarantine because of the uh, coronavirus, unable to meet together in person, and so we are going to do the best we can. Uh, I never wanted to be a televangelist, but I guess that's what I've become for now. Uh, I want you to know that your officers uh, at TPC are uh, working diligently, constantly revisiting and discussing each week, uh, trying to determine what is the best way forward for us, uh, the best way for us to be the church and to do church in this time. Uh, but today, uh, it means doing church online. It's really all we can offer you today. Now, obviously, this is is not and never could be a substitute for meeting together in person as a church family. That's ultimately what we desire to do. But we trust God will make a way for us to do that soon enough. Uh, in the meantime, uh, until we can again resume feasting together and worshiping together and singing together, this is what it's going to look like. And we'll be emailing you and staying in touch with you uh, regularly. And certainly if you have any needs we need to know about, uh, reach out to us. Contact me or another officer. We would love to help you. Uh, we need to remember that, at least for now, this is exactly the trial God has ordained for us. And uh, it's exactly the trial God wants us to go through. And we need to learn whatever hard lessons God has for us in the midst of this trial. Hopefully you have read the uh, emails that I've sent out uh, last week and this week explaining how we are approaching this, how we are seeking to handle this situation, uh, how we desire to maintain community, uh, even in a time where some degree of physical isolation has been mandated for us. Uh, I agree with something I heard Mike Pence say, uh, Vice President, uh, and that is that we need to spend more time on our knees than we do on the internet. I think that's very good counsel. This is a wonderful opportunity, I think, for us to take advantage of uh, perhaps more time, having a little bit more time than we usually do to pray. If we can't pray with one another, we can certainly pray for one another. Uh, and I would see this service uh, as an opportunity to do that as well. What we have for you today to participate in is a service of prayer and preaching. You should have a liturgy with you. We've uh, emailed this out, and I would encourage you to participate from your own home uh, as much as possible, as, as weird and strange as that might be, as awkward as that might be, I encourage you to participate. I've got a few people here in the TPC kitchen with me uh, who will be participating in this service. Uh, just a word of exhortation before we begin. Uh, and this repeats something that I've said in one of the emails that I sent out, but I think it's worth repeating. Uh, we may be quarantined, but God is not quarantined. God's grace is not quarantined. God cannot be quarantined. God's grace cannot be quarantined. Uh, God's grace runs free. Uh, the gospel cannot be chained. Uh, we can be chained, but the, the gospel cannot be. So take comfort. Be encouraged in that. Uh, put your trust in the Lord in this time. Uh, know that God can meet you where you are. God can extend his grace to you right where you are. Uh, they say we are supposed to be socially distant. Uh, I would say, uh, I don't like that terminology of social distancing, I would say, you know, we might need to be physically distant, that, that certainly seems to be the case right now, but I want us to be socially connected and especially spiritually connected in this time. Physically distant, but socially and spiritually close, we need to find ways to do that. Hopefully this service uh, is one way that we can do that. Uh, we know where to count our trials joy, that's something I'll talk about in the teaching time, that's something you've heard me teach about. Uh, from James chapter 1. I've been preaching that. Now we get to practice it. So, uh, let's prepare our hearts for worship. Hear these words calling us to worship from Psalm 123. Unto you I lift up my eyes. 
O you who dwell in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. Amen. Let us pray together. Father, these are strange and trying times. You command us to gather together to not forsake the assembling of the brethren, and then you ordain trials to keep us apart. You call us to cherish the Lord's table, the bread and wine through which we eat and drink Christ's body and blood, and then you put us in circumstances where we cannot feast together. You call us to be a community ministering to one another, then give us a trial that physically separates us. But we know this trial has come from your hand. It is your doing. And our greatest comfort is found in knowing that you are sovereign. And indeed that you promise to use such trials to strengthen us and to teach us. So help us to learn the lessons you have for us in these present difficulties. O great Father, creator, ruler, sustainer, savior, with your Son and the Holy Spirit, we worship you, we exalt you. You are worthy of all praise and adoration. Show us your love. Show us your kindness. Show us your glory. Show us your beauty. All through Christ, your Son, who was crucified for us and rose again on the third day to secure our eternal salvation. Yes, Father, we do thank you and praise you for the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on our behalf, for his victory over death. For in him we know we have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We know in him we are forgiven. In him we are transformed. O oh, Father, remember your covenant of love to a thousand generations. Be faithful to us and to our children. Give us comfort, comfort that comes from the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Give us peace and joy, the peace that passes understanding, joy unspeakable. Speak your truth and wisdom to us. Make us new. Make us like Christ Jesus. We entrust our lives to you, for you are faithful and true. We entrust ourselves to you. May you care for us as you have promised in your word. Amen. Hear now this reading from God's word from Psalm 90. The prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood, they are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger. And by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. 
O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray now that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word, that you would teach us wisdom, that you would grant us encouragement, that we might serve you faithfully all our days. This we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses about death. It was uh, written during the time of Israel's wilderness wandering. Now, we might ask, why would Moses write a prayer about death during that time? Well, think about it this way. When Israel left Egypt, there were about 1.2 million adult Israelites. These were the ones who were redeemed out of slavery, uh, and they were brought to Sinai and into the Promised Land, but they had a failure of hurt. They had a failure of faith, and they refused to enter the Promised Land. And God said that because of their unbelief, that whole generation would perish in the wilderness. And so 1.2 million of them died in the wilderness as Moses led them. Now, to put that into perspective, uh, during that roughly 40-year period, 1.2 million died. Uh, if you do the math, that means there were about 80 deaths per day. Uh, that means over 500 funerals per week. Moses was, you might say, a man acquainted with death. He had plenty of time to reflect on man's mortality and weakness. He was surrounded by death for this 40-year period. But in the midst of that, Moses found reasons for hope, reasons for joy, uh, reasons for gladness. He found what makes life worth living, even in the midst of great hardship. Verse 1, he says, O Lord, you have been our dwelling place for generations. What's interesting about this, of course, is that Israel did not have a dwelling place. Uh, they were nomads during this period of time in history, trekking upon, across the desert uh, in the wilderness. But Moses says, God is our dwelling place. God is our home. We don't have a dwelling place of our own as we're nomads in the desert. God is our dwelling place. God is our home. Uh, he starts with this word of comfort. He speaks of generations. He says generations come and go. The contrast here, I think, is between the generations that come and go and God. Generations come and go, but God is constant. God is faithful. God is forever. One generation lives and dies and another takes its place. Not so with God. Uh, Charles de Gaulle once said, the graveyards are full of indispensable men. Men who are once thought indispensable uh, are taken away from the scene in death. The reality is men are always dispensable. There are no indispensable men. Not so with God. We are weak. We are fragile. Uh, our lives are transient. Scripture describes our lives as a vapor, as a mist. We are here today, gone tomorrow, as it were. But not so with God. God is stable. God is eternal. God is unchanging. That's the contrast here, the contrast between generations of men who come and go, and the God who is always there, who is always the same, who is always faithful, the God who is from everlasting to everlasting. Moses goes on further to contrast God's time scale 
with ours. God lives forever. He uh, is the God who is from everlasting and to everlasting, whereas our lives, by comparison, are very short. Again, uh, God says to men in verse 3, Return, O children of men. Uh, I think that's a reference really to death. It's about returning to dust, to the ground. God says, return, O children of men, and our lives are over. We came from the dust, and we will return to the dust when God says so. Uh, Moses says God turns men to destruction after a time. He turns us to death. Not so with God. Uh, our lives are comparatively short. Uh, God is eternal. Again, verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses builds this contrast. Verse 4, he says, A thousand years for man pass like a watch in the night for God. Uh, what seems like such a long time period for us is just the blink of an eye for, for God. Verse 10, Moses says, We might have 70 or 80 years. That's a long time for one of us to live. But even a thousand years is like the blink of an eye for God. Verse 5, Moses says, We are carried away like a flood. Uh, think about the flood in Noah's day. The flood came on people unsuspecting. They weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for their lives to end in this way. Noah, of course, was ready. Noah and his family, because they believed God. But not anybody else. It snuck up on them. It took them by surprise. Their lives were shorter than they thought they would be. And so it is with death. It can come at any time. It often sneaks up on us. We thought we might have had more time, and then suddenly it's gone. That's how our lives are. Verse 6, the lives of men are compared to grass that grows in the morning and then is cut down in the evening. Every day, every moment, every second, my death creeps nearer and yours does as well. It's a little funny when they talk about the uh, mortality rate for those with the coronavirus, uh, I think. You know, let's talk about the, the mortality rate. Here's the reality. Every single person with coronavirus is going to die. You know what? Every single person without coronavirus is going to die. Now, I'm not making light of our efforts to stop the spread of the virus. I think that's good. That's necessary. It is a real threat. I get that. But the mortality rate for the human race will always be 100%. Every single person with heart disease is going to die. Every single person without heart disease is going to die as well. Every single person with cancer is going to die. Every single person without cancer is going to die. If one thing doesn't get you, something else will. No one gets out alive. Uh, you know what they say about death and taxes. These are the two great uh, inevitability, inevitable things, death and taxes. Uh, I, I found it interesting that the tax deadline got pushed back this year. I got pushed back a little bit. Maybe you could also push back your uh, your death deadline, so to speak, the date of your death. If you eat right and, uh, and you exercise and you get lucky, your life might be extended some. But that text, that text deadline is still coming, and your own personal deadline is coming as well. Uh, we're all staring at a deadline. We're all facing down a deadline. We may not know exactly when it is, when it's going to hit us, but it is coming. Life is full of hardships that remind us constantly how weak and how fragile we are, how everything about us hangs by a thread. Everything in our lives hangs by a thread. There really is nothing in our lives that is truly safe and secure. These hardships we go through remind us continually how near to death we are at each moment. 
Listen to how John Calvin put it, how he describes all the evils that befall us in this life. This is just amazing. And Calvin, Calvin lived the life of suffering. He was, I think, uh, had to be constantly mindful of his own death because he suffered so many ailments himself. But listen to how he describes the human predicament, the hardships that we face. He says, innumerable are the evils that beset human life. Innumerable, too, the deaths that threaten it. We need not go beyond ourselves, since our body is the receptacle of a thousand diseases. In fact, man holds within within itself and fosters in himself the causes of these diseases, many forms of his own destruction. Wherever you turn, all things around you not only are hardly to be trusted, but almost openly menace and seem to threaten immediate death. Embark upon a ship, and you're one step away from death. Mount a horse. If one foot slips, your life is imperiled. Go through the city streets. You are subject to as many dangers as there are tiles on the roofs. If there is a weapon in your hand or a friend's, harm awaits. All the fierce animals you see are armed for your destruction. But if you try to shut yourself up in a walled garden, seemingly delightful, there a serpent sometimes lies hidden. Your house, continually in danger of fire, threatens in the daytime to impoverish you, and at night even to collapse upon you. Your field, since it is exposed to hail, frost, drought, and other calamities, threatens you with barrenness, and hence famine. I pass over poisonings, ambushes, robberies, open violence, which in part besiege us at home, in part dog us abroad. Amid these tribulations must not man be most miserable, since, but half alive in life, he weakly draws his anxious and languid breath, as if he had a sword perpetually hanging over his own neck. I think Calvin's right. Uh, we live our lives constantly under the threat of death. If Calvin had known about viruses, I'm sure he would have included that in his list as well, his catalog of human miseries. Now why? Why is this? Why is life so full of hardship? Why is human life so fragile, so difficult? Well, Moses explains this, and he does so really in verses 7 through 11. It's because we have sinned. And because of our sin, we have brought on God's wrath. Moses describes how our iniquities are always before the face of God. We live our days under a justly deserved death sentence. All our hardships and misery, all the sadness of this life, all the trials of this life have been brought on by our sin. Our rebellion against God, against God's order, against God's rule, against God's law, against God's love. Horrible things have happened because men have forgotten God. Now all this sounds kind of depressing, doesn't it? Uh, I've dug a pretty deep hole for myself here, haven't I? Uh, Moses has dug a pretty deep hole for us, it seems. You might ask, why did I tune into this? Why am I listening to this? I'm getting bad news 24-7 right now. We've got this virus out there. The economy seems to be crashing. We're constantly being bombarded with bad news these days. What I want is some encouragement. And I'm right there with you. I want encouragement too. And Moses is here to help us. Uh, Moses gives us encouragement in the rest of this psalm, and I want to give you that encouragement as well. Look at what Moses says. Why has he been reflecting on death in this way? It's not because he wants to be morbid. It's not because he wants us to be morbid. It's because he wants us to be wise. And so in verse 12, he says, So 
that is in light of all of these things. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Your days are numbered, Moses is saying. So number your days. Your days are numbered, so number your days. Consider what your life is. Consider what your life is about. Consider what makes life worth living. Consider your legacy. Consider how to make your life count right now. And what Moses is showing us is this is the way of wisdom. The way to make our lives count is to live for God. The life that is well lived is a life lived to God's glory. It's a life of wisdom. It's a life that flows out of fearing God. That fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And fearing God means reckoning with God as your judge. Reckoning with God as the sovereign ruler over heaven and earth. Reckoning with the truth that God is God and you are not. You know, all the news today is so scary. Uh, We're constantly being hit with these news stories that are so scary. And a lot of it really is designed to make you panic. uh, To make you anxious, to make you fearful. Uh, It makes you anxious. It it, it sort of gets its hook in you. uh, and, And that's part of how they keep you watching. Uh, is by making you fearful and anxious, just wondering what's going to happen next, what bad things are going to happen to us next. That's not what Moses is doing. Moses is not giving you bad news the way that the TV cable news stations are giving you bad news all the time. Moses is doing something very, very different here. Moses doesn't want to make you anxious. He wants to make you wise. He doesn't want to make you fearful unless we're talking about the fear of God. Moses wants to make us wise. And what Moses is showing us is that more than anything else, death teaches us how to live. The way to live the best possible life is to live life in light of death. To know that you're going to die, to number your days, and to live accordingly. Moses says, yes, death is coming. It will knock on your door at some point. It will come for each of us. But do not live in fear. Do not live scared. Don't live a fearful life. Live a focused life. Live a faithful life. That's the point Moses is making. Live life as it was meant to be lived. Really live by living for God. Living for God's glory. Samuel Johnson said, when a man knows he's going to be hanged in a fortnight, it concentrates the mind wonderfully. Moses wants us to concentrate. He wants us to focus, to consider what matters most. That's why he's reflecting on death. Because reflecting on death teaches us how to live. He wants us to reflect on death so we will live faithfully. So we'll live for God and not for ourselves. He's constantly been pointing ahead to our deaths. So we will learn to live faithfully in the meantime, in each moment. If your life is like a vapor, like grass, if your life is not solid, uh, what is solid? What can you cling to? If your life is like vapor, if it's like like grass, what matters most? What can you cling to? What can you find? Where can you find solid ground to stand on? Well, Moses really describes this for us in verses 13 to 17. You know, again, you can hear that bad news on TV 24-7 right now. But Moses is going to give you good news. He's going to give you good news you can't hear anywhere else. Verse 13, he cries out to the Lord. Reflecting on death leads him to pray. 
reflecting on how fragile life is, leads him to pray. He cries out in verse 13, for the Lord to return to his people, for the Lord to show compassion. And this is what God will do. We see how God will answer this prayer. Verse 14, God will grant mercy. God will grant mercy that we might rejoice and be glad all our days. And we're saying, but Moses, you've just told us how miserable all our days are. How full of anxiety and hardship all our days are. How can we be glad and rejoice? Well, this is how Moses is showing us. It's by knowing that God will grant us mercy. It's by knowing that God is a merciful God. Verse 15, he goes on, he says, we can be glad even in the midst of affliction. Even in years when we have seen evil, when evil has befallen us, we can be glad and rejoice. We can count our trials joy. This is a lot like James. So I ask you, can you count your quarantine joy? Missing work, maybe missing paychecks, joy. Can you count missing worship, a joy? Can you count missing each other, joy? Those are hard things. We're enduring many hardships. But Moses says in the midst of this, if if you will look to God's mercy, you can find joy, you can find gladness. Moses actually then goes on to describe God further. It's not just God's mercy, it's also God's glory and God's beauty. He describes the beauty of God. He says, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Then we bask in his beauty, bask in his glory. See, Moses is saying, look, God is on his throne. God is reigning over all. God rules over all. He's the sovereign God, the glorious God. He rules over presidents and over planets. He rules over viruses and over stock markets. He rules. And we may be in a crisis, but God is not. God never has a crisis. He never has a problem. Nothing can separate us from his mercy. Not even death can separate us from his love. God is our dwelling. God is our habitation, our home. Our life is hidden in him. Nothing can really harm us. He holds us in his loving hands. He gives us life and breath. And he says, serve me. Serve me with everything you've got. I'm giving you life and breath. Use your life and breath to serve me. Don't focus on what causes you fear. Focus on me. Focus on my power, my promises, my beauty, my glory. And all your fears will melt away in light of God's glory, God's beauty. See, what will you do? Will you fix your eyes on God or on your fears? Will you cling to his mercy? Will you find the solid ground of his covenant promises? Will you run to him as your dwelling, seeking refuge and safety in him? That is the way of wisdom and joy, even in the midst of great trial. That's our hope, clinging to the mercy of God. The mercy of God is our life. It's our hope and our joy. So understand, yes, we're, we're going through a trial. Everybody's talking about that. Uh, but you can come through this trial, you can come through any trial, with poise, with confidence, uh, with grace. You, you can learn in the midst of this trial how to keep on serving others, how to show kindness, uh, how, how to move past your frustrations and your anger. Uh, you can get through these hard times Because you know God is full of mercy. Because the glory and the beauty of God are shining upon you. It may seem right now like our lives are an unending string of adversities. I I, I get that. Uh, I actually don't think we have nearly as hard as 
perhaps people in other parts of the world, and certainly not as in other times of history. Even this is a small trial compared to what many people go through or have gone through. But there are strange and uncertain times, unsettling times in many ways. What does Moses want us to know? God in his mercy will deliver us. God in his mercy will see us through. Cling to the mercy of God. Don't focus on the source of your fears or the source of your anxiety or the source of your pain. Focus on God's mercy, his loving kindness, his covenant faithfulness. Let the promises of God wash over you and calm you and refresh you and inspire you and strengthen you. Know that God is God. He is our God. He is a faithful God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Our whole lives are enfolded by his care, his loving kindness. If you have God, you have all you need. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for being a good and a glorious and a gracious God. Father, we thank you for your mercies, and I pray that we would cling to your mercies, shown to us in Christ Jesus, shown to us in his sufferings and in his death and in his resurrection, his victory over death. Father, may we cling to Christ and know that in him all your promises are yes and amen. In him we have strength, in him we have joy, in him we have gladness, in him we have all the encouragement we could ever want. In him we have every blessing we could ever desire. Father, may we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This we pray in his name. Amen.